Welcome to the Fresh Start Church Podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. Here you'll find preached messages from our pastors. We pray that the spirit of revival is imparted to you as you listen. To watch live, check us out on YouTube or visit our website at freshstartaz.com. And to stay connected with us, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. God wants to raise up doorkeepers of revival everywhere because it takes somebody that will stand at attention at the door in their region and tell the principalities and powers of darkness, you're not getting in this region. You're not getting in this city. You're not getting in my church. You're not altering anything to your agenda in this area, in this territory. Can I tell you why America is, is seeing some of the, uh, the degradation and everything that is happening right now? Is because there's not been enough doorkeepers in territories to hold the door open to the Holy Ghost fire and the glory of God that comes down and mis- displaces principalities over territories. God needs people that will stand at attention to the host of heaven to the king of kings and the lord of lords that we were singing about tonight and say my allegiance and my worship goes to him and I refuse to allow a principality of Jezebel and a principality and rulers of darkness to take over this region I will be a doorkeeper of revival a church has to hold the door open to revival. This church has chosen to hold the door open to revival. For the sake of a city, for the sake of a region, for the sake of souls, and for the sake of a nation. What I hope to show you tonight is that our posture of heart and perception of revival is crucial. If we believe revival can only come to a select few, and only at a certain time of God's bidding, then we will miss out. But if we believe that we can tap into the fullness of God by simply walking through the door, come on, to more, I said by simply walking through the spiritual door to more, to His fullness, that he's already provided, then we will live in perpetual revival. We will live in sustained revival. And Jesus is coming back for a church that's in revival. He's not coming back for a church that is most like the world. He's not coming back, is anybody here tonight? He's not coming for a church that is trying to see how close they can mimic the world. He's coming back for a church that is after his holiness, that is set apart, and that is, come on! And God says, if you will just walk through the door to more, until Jesus comes back one day, we're going to take one more step on this side of revival. And the next step that we take will be in eternity with revival with Jesus. Come on. And this is the church that Jesus is coming back for. The revival here in 2015 at Fresh Start Church began with a cry for more. We were tired of what the Pentecostal church had become. And my husband and I said, if this is all there is to it, 
think we might find something else to do. If it's just about humanistic ideas, some games every once in a while, entertaining people, I ain't got time for that. So we began a cry for more. It began with a cry for more. And it continues with a cry for more. And I want to talk to you tonight on what I call a hundredfold cry. Now, I only say this for emphasis, Brian and Marcy. It's going to be different than last Sunday, all right? I've only preached this one other time, and they happened to be in that service in Arkansas last Sunday when I preached it. They drove five hours from Oklahoma to Little Rock, Arkansas. They live in Oklahoma to be in the service where me and Pastor Rosalinda were at. I was preaching that weekend, last weekend. And then they got on a plane and came to Fresh Start Church, doorkeeper of revival. I'm going to ask you now, how hungry are you? Somebody shout a hundredfold cry. A hundredfold cry. All I have is yours. I'll read a scripture and let you be seated. All I have is yours. All I have is yours. Luke 15, verse 25 through 31. Now his older son was in the field. Let me say this first. Part of the release of tonight's word will deal, I will deal with a primary enemy of revival. Once again, our assignment on our nights that we preach is to release the revelation and the reality of what it takes to be a doorkeeper of revival. Because it's more than just having a series of meetings, my friends. You see, Fresh Start will show up again on Monday morning and we will start all over again. Those of you who have driven in and, and we love it and we want y'all here, some more coming next month, et cetera, et cetera. But we start all over again with a hundredfold cry. And I want to reveal tonight in the next few moments together, and we're going to have powerful altars tonight. And let me tell you what God is going to do if you will respond. God is going to release more. And then there's, a, there's an electricity of the Holy Spirit in this room. But I, I'm, I know now after six years of revival and many years in ministry that you can be in a crowd like this and miss out on everything if you do not respond. We're going to have, God is going to, God is going to meet you in the altar in just a few moments. I'll deal with the primary enemy of revival. And to do that tonight, I go to the story of the prodigal son. Hallelujah. His older son was in the field. And he came and he drew near to the house. He drew near to the house. And he heard the music and the dancing. And he called one of the servants and he asked, what, what do these things mean? And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry. The older son was angry. The older son was angry. I said the older son was angry. And he would not go in. Everybody say he wouldn't go in. Shout he wouldn't go in. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't know why I wouldn't go in. Come on. Look at your other neighbor and say, that's pretty stupid for not going in. 
Therefore, the father came out and pleaded with him. The father, representing our heavenly father, came out and he pleaded. He pleaded, he begged him. He compelled him to come in. And he answered to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat. You never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And the father said to him, Son, you're always with me and all that I have is yours. You're always with me, son, and all that I have. All that I have. All of it. All that I have is yours. I'll let you be seated in a minute. Fresh start folk are used to this. When I say that, it can mean several. As I read this familiar parable of Jesus for many times I've read it, I was prompted on that last sentence there in that verse. Son, son, all that I have is yours. You can give me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. You didn't give me a goat so I could have a party. You can give me a party. Son, all that I have is yours. This parable many times is used to speak to the prodigal son coming home to the father. The amazing redemptive narrative and the beautiful picture of the power of repentance and forgiveness. And if there are any prodigals in the room tonight or you're watching online right now, I want to tell you that the Father, the Heavenly Father, He wants to restore the wasted places that are in your life. He wants to restore, come on, He wants to restore the weight, the things that you have wasted. He wants to restore that in your life. I want to tell the prodigals, the prodigals being the ones who have left the Father's house, who have left the Lord, you can never go too far that you're not welcome back home to the father's house the father is not out to punish you he's out to restore the wasted places all those things that are wasted the father wants to restore all of those things that are broken all of those things that have left you God wants to bring it back to you he's waiting on you to give back to you what you gave up and all he has to say to you inside tonight is humble yourself. Turn! Turn! Turn back and run home to the Father's house and go in to the Father's house because He's got a ring and He's got a robe and He's got a roast that's waiting on you. He's got shoes for your feet and He wants to let you know Son, you're not a slave. You are a son. Shout! And as much as I would love to continue to preach on that, 
and that will be part of the altar call. I apparently had read over the verse, and you can sit down as I'm saying this again, and missing, somehow missing the depth of what the Father was saying. Son, all that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. And as I paused and I read over it again, I thought, if that's not a revival verse, I don't know what is. Son, all that I have is yours. Because revival is the fullness of God. Thank you guys. You can go down. Hurry in. Everybody say fullness. You see, fullness is what Jesus came to pay the price for so that you and I could live in now. Come on. We don't have to wait for it. We have to pull on it. Come on. We don't have to wait on it. We just have to walk through the door to more. Come on. And as I read that, I thought, if this isn't a a revival verse, I don't know what is because revival is the fullness of God. And in this parable, amid so many wonderful attributes of the Father and His heart, Jesus is telling us that as a son and as a daughter of God, everything that the Father has is yours. But the question remains, are we taking advantage of all that God has or are we settling for less? Come on. You see, the father came out and pleaded to him. The father came out and pleaded to him, son, I need you to walk through the door and then you will get more. He was outside complaining about what he didn't have and the father came out and pleaded, aren't you glad that our heavenly father still goes the extra mile and the extra length even when we're angry, even when we're complaining, even when we're stuck and he'll come out after us and he'll say, son, I need you to go all in. You must walk through the door for more. The heart of a doorkeeper of revival. The heart of a revivalist is to compel, yes, to provoke them to walk through the door to more. And recently I've been privileged to visit other churches, to preach in other churches. And I'm telling you folks all across this nation, people are hungry for the presence and the power of God. They're hungry for revival. And people are at a point where they need to be provoked to walk through the door for more because if they don't know that there's more how will they know to even go to the door for more come on so I asked tonight, where are the doorkeepers in regions who will go outside and tell them, hey, if you walk through this door, there will be more. This is why, as you are very familiar with, uh, most of you here around Fresh Start and those of you visiting, probably watching us for a long time, have heard our battle cry, have heard our war cry, have heard our battle hymn, that we will not settle for anything less than than the fullness of God. Shout, I'm not going to settle. 
We're not going to settle for anything less than his glory, his presence, and his fullness. And the bottom line to a continual move of the Holy Spirit is to not settle. When you settle, you become satisfied. And when you're satisfied, you become stagnant. But when revival breaks in, it disturbs the status quo. Revival will always upset the status quo. And the definition of disturb is to unsettle. Revival unsettles the settlers. If I've got one mission, it's to unsettle the settlers. Come on. Could this have possibly been the reason why the Lord kept the ark continually moving in the wilderness with the children of Israel? Because he knew the propensity of humankind to get comfortable in their last place of pursuit, their last spiritual achievement. The nature of humans is to grow comfortable with our last level of encounter. And this is the continual plot of the enemy and the pull of our flesh. Let's just settle for this we're doing good. We look okay. Everything's running smoothly. Everything's cool. Everything's good. Nobody's complaining. Church is full. Let's just do it this way. And revival knocks on the door and messes with all of your stuff. Our friend Sean Smith in his book, I Am Your Sign, he said one of the greatest challenges of sustaining revival is the demand that it makes on one's inner life. Once a revival gets underway, there's a temptation to be prematurely satisfied with something less than what the Father wants to give us. <clears throat> At this stage, Sean said, God will often release a season of withdrawal, warfare, or holy dissatisfaction. This holy dissatisfaction creates a longing for things to be different. This is where we were over six years ago. Without a passion for fullness, somebody say fullness, Sean says, the enemy can cause the dust of complacency to settle in, end quote. Somebody say, I'm not gonna settle. You see, all that God has is revival. And our willingness and desire to want that determines the level that God can give us. And this story of the prodigal and the elder son tells us that the older son became angry and that he would not go in. Everybody say he wouldn't go in. Tell your neighbor he wouldn't go in. Look at your other neighbor and say it's stupid that he wouldn't go in. Come on. The father pleaded with him, watch me now, but yet his orphan mindset wouldn't allow him to go and get what was rightfully his. I'll say it again. His orphan mindset wouldn't allow him to go and get what was rightfully his. And this shows us a posture of an orphan spirit that within his reach was all that the father had. Had, yet his stronghold of spiritual deficiency kept him from fullness. Can I tell you tonight, don't be in the middle of revival potential and not take advantage of it. 
We're waiting on God to throw us a party. And God is saying, you got to pull on the floor. you got to walk through the door. you got to get in the house where it is, son. All that I have is yours. Son, you're right here in the house. All that I have is yours. The orphan spirit refers to a spiritual condition in which some Christians profess outwardly to know God as Father, but experience an internal contradiction to that belief. Did y'all get that? The potential of revival is within our reach, yet due to a wrong mindset that is prevalent in the church today, you hear me now, it is prevalent in the church today and a lack of pursuit and desire as well as man-made substitutes that occupy our flesh. We stand outside the house jealous and angry. My friends, this is religion and That is a religious spirit. We stand outside the house angry with everybody inside the house. When all the while everything that the father has is rightfully yours. Come on. An orphan spirit and a religious spirit is what I came to reveal tonight partially and then we'll shift to something else. This is one of the primary enemies of revival. And if you were here in pre-service prayer, you heard at least one of them, if not more, come against a spectating spirit and a religious spirit. Turn this up. A spectating spirit and a religious spirit. Why did you say turn it up? But just to make religion mad. Turn it up. And even after six years of revival, there is still not a service that doesn't go by where probably one of the intercessors that break open this atmosphere before you even step in here or while you're stepping in here, they come against a religious spirit and a religious mindset because, and some of you are sitting here with it tonight, and it's just like, well, what can you do for me? Well, I can't do anything for you, but Jesus can do everything for you. If you'll walk through the door to more. And what we have found in sustaining revival for six years is that if you do not learn how to deal and to come against and to speak to and to address a religious spirit and an orphan mindset, my friends, that is why we have programs and parameters that tell us, well, if you do this for 10 minutes, that'll be good. Then run over here and do this for about 10 minutes and then do that all over again and preach for a few minutes and then let them go and then probably they'll come back next week. Yeah, they'll come back next week, carnal and unchanged and not full of the Holy Ghost. And we've had to do that because we haven't dealt with the religious spirit.
it keeps you from entering in the door. An orphan and mindset and a religious spirit keeps you from entering the door to more. If you back up in this story, we see four elements that the father intentionally gave to the prodigal. Now watch this. The Lord showed me this. <clears throat> I've preached on these in context of the prodigal. But I looked at them in the context of the elder son and what I'm preaching on tonight on the hundredfold cry. There's four elements in this story that he gave to the prodigal. And this, you know, this elder son, well, you didn't give me a, a calf, a roast, and a party. You haven't done that. There were, there were things that he was jealous over and angry over, and they were within his reach. All he had to do was walk through the door. And one of them was a robe. All of these that I'm getting ready to name, and I'll do this quickly. If you're looking, if, if these are the four points to the message, no. Come on, trust me. If you haven't listened to me preach, so I'm all over the place. I'm not one of those kind. These are all needed to carry revival. These four elements expose the orphan mindset in the elder son. These four elements, as I was looking at the story, religion uses this orphan mindset to cause you to miss what's right in front of you. The mantle, the robe was the mantle and the anointing. You need all of these for revival. The anointing breaks the burdens off of people. The ring, he gave him a ring. The ring represents authority. Authority breaks barriers off of, come on, out of your heart and off of territories. That's what we spent last night doing. The roast or the fatted calf that was killed was acceptance. It was hospitality. He was throwing a party. It was intimacy. He was bringing him in to intimacy. You need all of these for revival. It brings bonds of intimacy with the father. And then he gave him shoes. And shoes was his identity. And when you have identity, my friend, you have boldness. Don't try to approach revival if you don't have a revival identity that brings the boldness to face the devil and to come on and to preach Jesus yet the elder son is standing outside the father's house angry and complaining about what he should be living in and this is the cycle of the enemy to keep people from revival a religious spirit is prevalent in the church in this nation today. You listen to me. It's all denominations, not just one denomination. Come on. It's all denominations. It's all non-denomination churches. Matter of fact, you could be sitting here tonight with a religious spirit and an orphan mindset. If you're not careful, if we're not careful, the prodigals will move right in and take what the father has because the prodigals are desperate. Are you? The prodigals are tired of being ripped off by the enemy, but the religious are cohabitating. They're tired of being wasted, and while you are wasting right what's in front of you. The prodigals are now eating the pig that they once slept and ate with. Come on. 
I came to tell you today, wherever you came from, and especially if you're new to Fresh Start, come on somebody. You don't just come to attend a revival church. You come to contend for revival. There's no laziness around here. Everyone has to be a revivalist. Religion will have you sit right in the middle of the robe and the ring and the roast with the shoes right beside you and miss out because of your internal contradiction. Look, don't tell me about your experience 20 years ago. What can you tell me about yesterday? Come on. Don't tell me about that camp five years ago. What did God do last night? What did God do yesterday? What has God done? How has God rocked your life? Tell me about it. Where is revival with you right now? It's time that we stop talking about this happened in this time and that happened in this time. What are you doing to see what God needs and has for right now? We must identify this spirit for what it is. It is a primary enemy of revival. And I do not think, I meant to say this earlier, but I don't think it's by accident. Pastor Vanny, Pastor Kerry, all of my intercessors that were praying last night and what the Lord gave us concerning even the Virginia area there and the whole religious spirit and all that. I didn't know that that was going to happen. I already had, of course, this message for the most part. I've changed it up a little bit, typed out and studied and then inserted a few things here and there. But listen, I didn't know that the Lord was going to link this. Look, we're dealing with something this weekend that is literally holding revival back from denominations and churches all over this nation and it is a religious spirit and an orphan mindset saying this is all we have this is all we deserve this is all we can take this is all there is I came to make religion mad tonight and say there is more somebody shout more This religious spirit, this orphan mindset is the devil's most prized spirit because it hides so well and it coexists with church folk. Come on, somebody. And hinders so effectively from receiving a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. You want to see some revivalists get mad around here? Just let a religious spirit walk in. It binds us to external pursuit over internal pursuit. It's limiting, it's restricting, it's prideful, it's pretentious, it's pompous, it's carnal. It hides amongst our works and our busyness for God. It's deceptive and convincing concerning the blindness of our spiritual deficit. It plays no favorites and it will touch anyone of our lives if we tolerate it. It's the only spirit that drew anger from Jesus because he said, you're not entering in. You're not entering in. You're not entering in. A religious spirit or spirit of religion has a fear of losing control of its self-maintained walk with God. It is pride that says, I have it all, I know it all, and I don't need any more. I'm good. It is self-righteousness that has a view that if I do enough of certain things, I'm okay and I don't need anything more. There's nothing more. I came to tell you there is more. Through the door, there is more. 
The spirit life is one of dynamic progress and the religious spirit hates spiritual progress. It wants to keep you boring. It wants to keep you limited. It wants to keep you weak. It wants to keep you anemic. It wants to keep you shallow. It wants to keep you ineffective. It wants to keep you shallow, 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 shallow. Religious spirit doesn't want you to go from glory to glory to glory to glory. It hates revival because revival is a supernatural spiritual transaction that busts into the life and the heart of a person and makes them into more than they ever thought they could be. Religion hates that. No, you have to stay here. It will bind you to those external appearances rather than that internal capacity of the Holy Spirit. And so it quenches that fresh encounter with Jesus. And this spirit will capture the old school and the new school people. I love that. I'm going to say it again. I guess I'm at the age to be old school now. I say, whatever. I said, show me your stuff. Come on. Show me. Just show me. Come on. Show me. Show me the supernatural. Show me the power of God. Show me. Show me. Show me. If I'm old school, show me revival. I don't need patty cake. I don't need pretend. I don't need you to make me laugh. I need Jesus. You say you're mad. Yes, I'm mad. Because the devil in a religious spirit has ripped off the Pentecostal church in this nation. And my aim is to get the fire back in the Pentecostal church. Just to make religion mad. So many people. They're just standing behind the wall of their last encounter. This is what Song of Solomon says. Put it up there. My lover, which is Jesus, is like a swift gazelle, which means that Jesus is always moving. But we settle. Come on. Remember our battle cry, our battle hymn here, we won't. Because Jesus is ever moving. Come on. And it says, look, there he is behind the wall, Jesus, looking through the window of my life, peering into the room, the hidden places of my heart. Jesus said to me, rise up, come away with me. We've got to be careful not to leave Jesus standing behind the wall of our last encounter. Come on. He stands outside the room, if you will, of our last experience, and he calls. Even the one you had last night. Come on, somebody. And he calls, come away with me to an untapped dimension of revelation and encounter. Come with me to an untapped dimension of my presence and my glory. He says, come with me because I am ever moving and pre- 
progressing into deeper levels and he's calling us and realize that God is not withholding anything from you. He's simply waiting outside the door or the window of your last experience and say, are you going to quit there or do you want to go through the door to more? Come on. My God. There is a spiritual principle that I call release and response. Well, release and response and response and release. You see, God has released the fullness, but it demands our response. I'm going to give an altar call in a few minutes. How many, Pastor Kim? I'm not telling you. Come on. And it will demand your response. My husband and I, and probably every evangelist that stands in this pulpit, our heart is heavy when there is not a response. There's always some response here. But I'm talking about for those who do not respond because it's not for a a picture for us or, 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 or chalk one up for us. It's because we have preached our guts out the truth and the revelatory principles of the Word of God that will kill that devil that has been after your mind, that will deliver you from that satanic bondage that will heal your sick body that will calm your tormented mind and we give an altar call but you don't respond I can't help you my friend if you don't respond Ah! release and response response and release once It is released. You must respond. And when you respond and go through the door, there will be more release of what the Father has. Response and release. Release and response. You want to know the secret to never having a dead, dry atmosphere in your church, Pastor? Demand that they respond. Is that Bible? It absolutely is Bible. We must give ourselves. Come on. You have to respond to be saved. Come on, somebody. You have to respond to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. You have to respond. All of the, the, the one number one question that my husband and I get is, how do you get your people to respond like that? Most of them don't like the answer that we give. You got to teach them how to pray first. You got to teach them how to pray first. We got some new people here at Fresh Start. We're, we're there. Come on. Come on, new people. We got to be teaching y'all how to be ox. You got to teach them how to bear their weight. You got to teach them to grow up. I said, grow up. I said, grow up. You got you to expand their spiritual capacity. Some, most of a lot of believers have spiritual capacity that's like a little peanut. Come on, somebody. And then you expect them to say amen. They don't even know what amen means. I mean, look at the, the congress lady or whatever. Is that, is that who it was? Amen, a woman, whatever. You gotta expand their capacity. And then you have to teach them the power 
The power of the principle of responding, of release and response. Once the worship and the anointing is released, I must respond. Once the word is preached, I must respond. And when I respond, there's more release that the Father brings. You never want a dead atmosphere. Respond. And God will release more. This principle of entering in is a really big deal, y'all. Enter in by the narrow gate, the Bible says. A response is demanded. You must enter in. You got to make a choice to enter revival. You got to make a choice to go through the door to more. Come on. Religion keeps you from entering in, just like it did the elder son. The primary goal is to keep you from a fresh encounter with God. The primary goal is to keep you in status quo and to keep you from all that Jesus has. Because revival, my friends, is Jesus. Come on. When Jesus walked the earth, he was revival, and he is revival now. He was the Shekinah in the Old Testament, the cloud, the pillar, the fire on the altar, and on the mountain. He was also all of that in fire and glory manifested in the flesh in the New Testament and when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost the church then became carriers of revival they became carriers of Jesus they became carriers of fire and religion hates fire come on and both Jesus and the early church had the same irritating irritating spirit that vexed and opposed revival and it was called religion. And its goal was to shut up the kingdom of heaven. Did you not just say that earlier? You don't remember. Oh, he's like, oh yes I did. He did. He surprised at himself. Its primary goal is to shut up the kingdom. Scripture, Matthew. But woe to you, religious spirit, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. Watch. You neither. What? You neither go in for yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. I said this entering is a big deal. They had the door, capital D, standing right in their midst, but they did not enter in. You can have revival in proximity and you do not enter in. You can, come on. We have people here from Oklahoma, Montana, all of those states that showed up this weekend. And glory to God for that. But some of you live on 83rd Avenue and you don't enter in. So Jesus said, Luke chapter 11, woe to you. Quote experts. 
Where you have taken away the key to knowledge and you did not go in yourselves and you hindered and prevented those who were entering in. It continues to say in 53, watch, they got enraged. Watch me, watch me. They got enraged and began to furiously oppose him. What did the elder son do? When he, he got what? Anger and aloofness is a sure sign of an orphan mindset and a religious spirit. Anger and aloofness. If you don't know what aloofness is, it means that you stand at a, dif di a distance, you're indifferent, and you're disinterested. Don't you think I don't see you? Ha! Mr. and Mrs. Aloofness, come on, come on, come on. Distant, disinterested. And angry. Why do they have to act like that? Why does that lady have to scream like that? I'm not going to stop screaming. So you better get used to it. And this is why I could stand here last night and tell anyone, I'm telling you what, we were fighting hell last night. The intercessors on this platform, I'm telling you it is a serious thing to go after territorial spirits. That's why I can stand up here to any kind of religious spirit that wants to come in and spectate and I can say, there's the door. I don't need to pull you. I'm not talking about the prodigal. I'm talking about the elder one that knows how to get in the house already. But you stand out. You didn't give me a party. You didn't kill the pig for me. Son, all that I have is yours. You just got to walk through the door tomorrow. The son was complaining about one goat in a party and he owned the entire farm. Spiritual orphans have a spiritual deficiency because of a veil that's over their eyes that keeps them locked in a mindset of spiritual poverty while they're surrounded by spiritual royalty. Watch me as I turn this tonight. Jesus said it's because in Matthew 13, seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. There's too many churches, spirit-filled, quote, 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 in quote, spirit-filled churches in our nation today where hearts go into that congregation and sit in seats similar to what you're sitting in right now. And their hearts are dull. You hear me? You can even be in this house and your heart be dull. It's time right now. I'm telling you, you want to pray? You want to pray for your pastor? You want to pray for your congregation pastors? You want to pray for your people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Don't pray for your denomination, whatever it is. Begin to pray that the fire and the electricity of the Holy Ghost penetrate their dull heart and that their eyes be opened that their eyes be opened that their eyes be opened to that they have been ripped off they've been ripped off that's why I'm so mad tonight they've been ripped off they've been ripped off by a religious spirit they've been ripped off they've been ripped off have you ever been stolen from or maybe have you ever stolen anything you just steal it or you've been stolen and it leaves you with a deficit the devil the religious spirit has left the Pentecostal church with a deficit and I'm out to make that religious devil mad and say I'm here to announce the father says all that I have is yours if 
make you walk through the door to more. Shout if you want more in this place. Come on. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 that we have been given a spirit of adoption. Well, there you go, orphan spirit. Come on. We are given the privilege and the honor, the Bible says, of crying out, Abba. Abba is Papa. 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 My husband is Papa to our grandchildren. My brother-in-law is Papa to his grandchildren. As a matter of fact, I've been told that Jude did not greet Nanny, but Jude greeted Papa when he came in. Come on, somebody. Papa is a respectful term of intimacy, and this is the power to cancel religious spirit and religious activity. It doesn't matter if it has a modern twist or an old-fashioned rut twist. Does that make sense? Religious spirit is a religious spirit, whether it's a modern twist that leaves out Holy Spirit or it's an ancient twist that has gotten stuck in the rut. Let me tell you what will resurrect you is an intimacy with Papa. Come on. An intimacy with Papa. And it's the response of entering into the nearness of Papa that gets religion out of your heart. Because you can't stay close to Papa and that religion stay in there. Religion says stay at a distance. Revival says walk through the door. Papas carry great respect and papas give things away. Awe and acceptance. Papas, this is the story that we just read. They carry great respect, but they also give stuff away. Zion and Kingston and River's not old enough to know yet. But Zion and Kingston know that if mommy and daddy will not get it for them. Because papas give stuff away. Come on. And Zion, especially Zion, Kingston is learning better. But Zion knows, Zion knows how to persist, y'all. The child is relentless. And he's smart at seven to try to manipulate you, but he's not that smart. Come on. But he will persist. Are you with me? He'll persist. Because he knows behind the door of Papa's house, there's more. There's an awe for Papa, for Abba. There's a reverence for him, but we also know that he says, all that I have is yours. And so in my first closing tonight, I call this the type of prayer a hundredfold cry. 
that releases us into the fullness of revival. Pastors, if you're here with us tonight, if you're watching online or will watch this later, if you're here in the room and you're a church attender, you've come maybe from another place in the nation, maybe here in the city, whatever it is, you're hungry for more, your soul, your spirit is dry, you're thirsty for more of Jesus, I want to tell you that all you need is a hundredfold cry. All you need is a cry that will release you. I told you a moment ago, this revival began with a cry for more. And this revival continues with a cry for more. Because Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call unto me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. That's not only just things. Like I want to see things. I want to see. I want to get this. I want to get that. I would like to have this. You know, God cares about things that we have. But it's not about that. It's about his heavenly realm. Come on. It's about the spiritual capacity. It's about growing and building and stretching and moving you. Come on, because if you want to take one step from this realm of time into the next realm of eternity, my friends, I don't know about you, but I want to feel more at home when I take that cross over into eternity. I don't want to show up and say, man, what's all this? Why is everybody so loud? What's all this praising and worshiping going on? Why is everybody standing up? Why is everybody shouting? Why is everybody falling down? Why? Why? It's revival in heaven. leave this earth walking over into that realm how Jesus I'm ready I'm ready I'm ready I'm ready I'm revival ready a hundredfold cry pastor revival is within your reach you can't be angry you can't allow religiosity. We can't be passive. We can't be waiting on a special party. We can't be waiting on a uh, relying on a special speaker. We can't be relying on a certain event or a supernatural sign even. We just have to cry out, Papa! And at that cry, he answers. I say, where's your cry tonight? Because the time of visitation is now. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Ephesians 3. To know this, the love that surpasses knowledge, Jesus. Come on, somebody. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. John 3. For he whom God sent speaks the word of God, for he gives the spirit without measure. Mark 4. <clears throat> Consider carefully what you hear. With a measure that you use, it'll be measured back to you and even more. Luke 6.38. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I hope you came to church tonight with a dump truck. Come on. Size or bigger. We bring our little teaspoon, our little teaspoon into our little micro services today. Come on, somebody. I'll say it again. We bring our little teaspoon into our micro services. And we say, just fill this up. I'll be good to next week unless I have something else to do. And then I might see you the next week. I say, you go on with your bad self. I want all that God has. My husband and I were given this pew. If you've been around Fresh to Start a long uh, several years, you know. You've seen it. It sits in my office now. Well, not right now. It's sitting right here. <laughs> and it's from the church in Connecticut 
one of the churches that hosted the first great awakening. So it's an original pew, 100 whatever years old. And a few years ago, let me teach you, let me give you a walk into revival praying. Come on, somebody. All the new people to Fresh Start who may not, may or may not have shown up last night. I just threw that in there. <clears throat> I was praying on this bench a few years ago for revival at this church. And I began to ask the Lord as I was sitting on this bench. It's very uncomfortable, y'all. Y'all need to thank God for whoever, whoever thought of padded seats. Because these poor people. And I begin to ask the Lord, Lord, come without measure. Come on, Fresh Start Revivalists, all these. Remember when we used to cry that all the time, without measure, without measure. Come without measure, Lord, to my life. Come without measure to my church, to our revival. And I begin to pray for the people in that season, their desire to be without measure for the Lord's presence, for the Lord's operation in their lives, in every one of our services. And it was at that point in my prayer that I distinctly heard the Holy Spirit say to me in the Spirit, Kim, you set the measure. John 3, 34 says that he gives the Spirit, watch, without measure. He gives the Spirit. Not he has the Spirit without measure. He does the have, have the Spirit without measure. But he gives the Spirit. Jesus gives the Spirit without measure. Or he, we could say, all I have is yours, Kim. But you set the measure. Measure is defined as dimension, capacity, or the extent of something. And just as it was the privilege of the older son to enter into all that the father had, it is the privilege of every Christian to pray for greater measures of the spirit. People in spirit-filled churches today are not being told this. Come on. And it is a religious spirit that is ripping off and leaving the Pentecostal church at a deficit. Come on. The end times that we are living in, the last days that we are going into, we are seeing things in our nation right now, laws that are trying to be passed. Are y'all listening to me? Because people don't know how to pray. People aren't told to fast. People aren't told to stretch their spiritual capacity. Oh, just come do this little time and that little time. That is not going to bring in the end time harvest that Jesus is coming back for. Are you hearing Every believer has the privilege to ask for the Spirit without measure and set the bar high. Set the bar high. That's why I call out people that were not here last night. Now, if you had to work or all that kind of stuff, I understand that. I have a little bit of patience with that. But if you just stayed home and watched TV or you just went to this, that, and the other, you should have been here. Pastors need to tell people, you have a greater capacity and I'm going to pull you into it. If you want to stay in your lazy place, you stay in your lazy place. But I'm going through the door. Capacity. So in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, there's a parable that Jesus taught about sower souls and seeds. In verse 8, he said, the one had good soil. Stop, watch, watch, don't miss this. It says, it was good soil. 
and the, and the crop produced 30, 60, 100 fold. 100 fold. And then in verse 9, Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear. In other words, he's saying, y'all better learn a lesson here. Discern and learn. Remember what the Holy Spirit spoke to me as I was sitting on this pew, on this revival bench, that this wood, literally, this wood sat under the preaching of Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield. This pew very likely could have held intercessors and worshipers and hopefully sinners who sat under the measure of the spirit of the first great awakening and they would cry out a hundredfold for their city, their region, and their nation. It was a revival that impacted the colonies of America during that time when secular rationalism was being emphasized and passion for Jesus had grown stale. It was a revival that had lasting impact on America. I'm sitting on that bench, on that very wood that held those people and that atmosphere. And the Holy Spirit said, Kim, you're the one who sets the measure of the Spirit of God in your life and in your church. So Kim, don't forget that I have already given you the privilege to walk through the door for more. Are you hearing me now? In this parable, a hundredfold doesn't mean a hundred times more. It means that the seed produced to its fullest potential. It produced to revival. The same soil that produced thirtyfold produced a hundredfold. Can I tell you, it is your option, my friend, if you're going to make it to a hundredfold. It's not my problem if you choose to camp at 30, but I'll see you. I'm headed for a hundredfold cry. It's your responsibility to move. Somebody say move. Jesus is progressing. He's tired of standing outside your last encounter. It's the responsibility of the older son to shake off that religious devil and walk into what was rightfully his a hundredfold through the door to more. 424 of Mark. Consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And even more. Well, breakthrough is yours tonight. Healing is yours tonight. What's your measure? Are you content with 30 or 60? The Holy Spirit was speaking to me on that great awakening revival pew. Kim, you want without measure? Then increase your level of measuring. It's within your reach. You own the farm, Kim. Get in the house. Supper's ready. Come on, y'all. All you northerners don't know what I just said. <laughs> Supper's ready. It's supper in the south, right? It's supper, y'all. Supper's ready. Father says, a 30-fold hunger, look at me, will never receive a 100-fold outpouring. A 60-fold praying will never reach a 100-fold capacity. And that morning as I was sitting on this very uncomfortable but 
powerful bench and, 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 and that was in the building of one of the greatest revivals in our, in our nation, a time of awakening of the hearts of people, a time when entire regions were bowing under the influence of revival. I sit asking for without measure and I tell you in this place tonight that if he did it then, he'll do it again. He will do it again if we will just enter in. God will do that and as the scripture says, he will do more. You watch where I'm going with this right now. Because during the time of the Great Awakening, it was the 1700s of church history, and Christians had traded their passion for a literal signing of a halfway covenant. I'll slow down, I'll take a breath, and I'll let you think about that. You read it, you look it up. In the 1700s, the Christians in the 1700s, during the time of this bench right here, when it was new, they literally, they were literally trading their passion for a, a halfway covenant, and they literally signed it. The church was in decline in the 1700s, so the, the leadership, quote, leadership, come on somebody, decided to draft a halfway covenant only requiring church attendees to commit half-heartedly, yet they could still be called a Christian. That baffles me, first of all, that for the Christians that signed it and were okay with it, but what baffles me even more was the preachers, come on, that had the mindset that even began to think that they could be allowed to draft something like that, much less doing it. It shows that the preachers were half-hearted as well. Are you with me? This is secular rationalism, and it is back in America again, but revival will conquer religious spirits. God has to operate within the boundaries of the measurement that we give him. Pastors, I say to you today, what are you measuring with your congregation? Are you offering them half so that you can just get numbers in the building and dollars in the bank? Pastor, you will be held accountable for not offering the spirit without measure. Your half that you're giving your congregation will not stand before the judgment seat of Christ. When you stand, Pastor, before the judgment seat, it will not be you and all of your little groupies and followers it will be you and Jesus and he's going to ask you when did I tell you to only give my people half of my spirit are you mad Pastor Kim yes because the Bible says he gives the spirit without but we say nope this is all you can have today it's Sunday church No Holy Ghost, no tongues, no nothing right here. This is it. No prophesying. No tearing, no altars at all. Many churches have seats to right here. In a few minutes, you're going to see like three, four, five rows that are going to be blah. And I'm sorry, but it's not COVID friendly. Come on. Come on. It's time to wake up. Pastors, why are you so afraid of what Jesus so freely offers? 
I will answer that question for you because you are afraid that current church culture has told you that in order to be a success, you have to offer half. And that is a lie from the devil. God will not tell you to offer your congregation half of the spirit. So be honest with yourself and stop drawing narrow boundaries for the spirit and take heed to what you're hearing and begin to cry for more. You have to deal with a religious spirit. Almost done, sort of. It's the normal state of a Christian to be hungry. I'm going to wind this up. Watch. We're going to pray. Get ready to run to the altars. I don't want to be living in Papa's house with a 30-fold mentality. You know, the prophet Elisha told the, told the, the widow woman with the oil thing, you know, that story. He said, go borrow vessels. And you can throw that scripture up there. I'm not going to read all of it. But he said, don't get a few. Come on. Are you all with me? He said, don't get a few. You see, somehow, and, and, and as long as she kept bringing vessels, I know this story's been preached. Y'all know, you know where I'm going with this. Most of you do. But look, as long as she kept bringing vessels, the oil kept pouring. Come on. And, he, and, and, and the prophet knew capacity. Come on, somebody. The prophet knew capacity. How much are you giving God to work with? Come on. How much are you giving God to work with? Uh, I'll show up here. I'll give him this. A little bit of time here. A little bit. Come on. Come on. A hundredfold cry. You see, the prophet perceived that a large quantity was going to be given to her because the prophet had been with Papa. Come on, somebody. The prophet had been with Papa. And he told her, he said, don't get just a few vessels. You go get a lot of vessels. And it was important for the prophet because he began to urge her to enter in to all. He said, and these are my words, widow, you better get, you better get ready because God is getting ready to pour out what eye has not seen ear has not heard mind cannot conceive heart doesn't understand it's going to be incredible but widow woman you are responsible for the measure and so are we we make our feeling little because our expectations and our desires are little, too few. The prophet said, not a few, not a few. In the context of sustained revival, we need to see our deficit in the church. We've stopped measuring greater and we've stopped pouring and bringing our vessels. We're standing outside the house complaining about everybody in the house. Come on. But I want to be a vessel that sits on a revival bench day after day after day asking for without measure. God, pour it out. Pour it out. Pastors, stop placating to the religious spirits that are staring you in the face every Sunday. Just speak to it and let the chips fall where they may and you walk through the door for more. Shout in this place. The older son had a problem with entering in. Entering in is a big deal. Response and release. And Jesus told us that to do that, he gave us, he told us how to do it. He said, your heart has to become like a little child. Little child. The father was urging the son that he come into the house. But this religious struggle stood outside the door, arguing, complaining, negotiating about what he thought he didn't have all the while he owned the farm. And Jesus knew that this struggle would happen. 
He was in the midst of it himself when he walked the earth. And he says, if you want to enter in, you got to become like a little child. Luke 18, learn this well. Unless you receive the revelation of the kingdom realm the same way a little child receives it, you'll never be able to enter in. Matthew 18, learn this well. Unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable and learn heaven's kingdom realm with wide-eyed wonder of a child, you'll never be able to enter in. Mark 10, listen to the truth I speak. Whoever does not open their arms wide to receive God's kingdom like a teachable child will never enter into it. Entering in is a big deal. The older son stood outside. And the father says, son, all that I have is yours. This story that I'm getting ready to tell, I've preached at Fresh Start some other places. But it touches my heart. They've written this song to it. It touches my heart. It touches my heart because the devil has made it seem so difficult to get into revival or to get revival. It amazes me how difficult we think it is. We just got to learn how to enter in. How to walk through the door to more. I'm not saying there's not other things and revelations. But Jesus says you got to have the expectation and the anticipation and the posture of a heart of a child that every time you approach me, I have more to uncover for you. And so I've said that like our grandson Zion and now our grandson Kingston, because he's old enough to understand, well, he's old enough to do this. You don't tell them that we're going to the amusement park in three months. Don't do that. Matter of fact, Kingston, you know, we have a swimming pool in our backyard as a lot of Phoenix people have because it's so hot. And it's cold right now. Come on, somebody. So the Phoenix people and all you northerners, it's like you may get in the pool pretty soon, but hey, if you've been here a while, it's like, hey, June, it's got to be 100. Come on, before I get in that water. But Kingston's like, Mimi, the water's going to be warm, right? I said, it, a little later, buddy, it's going to be warm. He goes, yeah, I'm going to go eat my mac and cheese, and then after that, it's going to be warm, right? Serious. He said that the other day. After I eat my mac and cheese, it's going to be warm. Heart of a child. The anticipation of a child. The expectation. Okay, I'm going to eat mac and cheese, and then. Did you tell Zion or Kingston we're going to the amusement park in three months? They wake up every day. Come on, fresh start people. And they say, is this the day? Thank you for listening in to the Fresh Start Church podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. You can order Pastor Kim's book, Doorkeepers of Revival, at doorkeepersofrevival.com. And you can listen to Fresh Start Revival Worship on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you stream your music. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.